I promise you I'm not going to be very long. So don't get, don't get too worried about it yet. Thank God for an anointed music team. I'm very, very thankful for them. Thank God for this great church. I'm going to turn your attention to Mark chapter 4. I believe that's the one. I, no, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 5. I'm sorry. That's the one I gave them. Mark chapter 5. While you turn, I give honor to Pastor Robbins. I love him very, very much. Very thankful for him and his kindness to me and all of you great people. I know that it's 7.03. I, I told Sister Fennel I was going to only preach 15 minutes. So I'm going to do my best to stay within the 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, the missionary got up and he said what he said about the Mississippi school system. And I was going to get up and say, you know, uh, you know, the Mississippi school system ain't that bad. And then I heard him say, well, what does water need? And I heard somebody say water. I mean, say, Seth, what is fire? See, I'm messing up already. Some, he said, what does fire need? And somebody said, water. And I said, my God, that just confirmed it. So the Mississippi school system might be failing us a little bit. We, God help us tonight. <laughs> Matthew, I mean, Mark, Lord have mercy. I, I got to get it together. I Mark chapter 5. Bless the Lord. Very thankful to be here. Love all of you. Thankful that you're all here as well. It'd be hard to have church if y'all didn't show up. So very thankful for all of you being here. And uh, just so you know, Brother Robbins, I called that pastor in Illinois. He was a little upset. I told him, I said, I just can't leave. I, I feel like this is the right place. And he said, well, I understand. So... I'm very thankful for men that are understanding of things like that. And I'm thankful for pastors that, like Brother Robbins, who will, you know, go into revival and, and trusting the hand of God. And I believe God's been moving, and I believe God's going to continue to move. I'm thankful to be here. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broke in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, this is what the Bible says. It says he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God, I adjure, you, adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And then I'm going to take your attention to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Chapter 5. Verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory, what you got to understand, church, his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, just before I even begin to preach, I want to tell you tonight, there are some things that even the people of God have to go through. But the Bible says, to him be all the glory, all dominion. Just because you're going through, don't give the devil an ounce of credit this evening. I know you want to say the devil's fighting me. Hey, but this is for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you feel might be coming against you. It's for the glory of Almighty God. And so tonight, I'm going to preach to you from this thought quickly, and that's simply this. What is stopping you? What is stopping you? If you wouldn't mind setting your Bible down, stretch your hand toward this pulpit, and one more time, would you lift your voice and pray with me as God begins to enter into this room? God, we need you in the house, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to touch us today, God. Let your spirit reign in this place, God. Anoint my lips, God, to do your will, Jesus, and hide me behind the cross, God. Lord, I need you in the house, Jesus. I need you to walk the aisles, God. Lord, fill somebody with the Holy Ghost today, God. Lord, touch a heart that's weary, God. God, give rest, Jesus, to our runner, Lord. And we give you praise and glory. Come on, church, would you clap your hands and shout unto God. Everybody shout in Jesus' name. You may be seated tonight. Scripture I took your attention to, we find a man who is vexed with devils. Matter of fact, he's vexed with so many devils that the Bible says he calls himself legion simply because there are so many of them that they don't have a name. You can't just say one person when there is multiple When you have multiple devils, I can imagine it becomes increasingly difficult to identify with who God created you to be. And we see that that is ever happening in the world in which we live. I'm getting a little worried about this world, this culture that we're developing in America. Because one of these days, we're going to see it enter into the house of the Lord. And we're going to have to have an answer for the transsexual when they come to the house of God. And they want to be saved, but they want to stay exactly the way they are. And God's going to require of us an answer. What will we say in the face of the devil when that time comes? And I know you're saying, well, brother Xavier, we don't know that that's really going to happen. I'm telling you, we're closer to that than you would like to believe. Just recently, there was a revival that happened in Arkansas, and there was a couple that walked in there, and they were a beautiful couple, and they had three little children, and come to find out somewhere along the line, the husband was actually a a woman, and he had had surgery to change himself to look like a man. And here he is speaking in tongues at an altar, and the answer, the question had to be asked, what are we going to do now? 
We have to realize that our world, it's the recompense of sin, you see. The world has gotten darker and darker and darker, and they're coming to us now, and they want an answer, but we cannot disappoint and say that you've gone too far, you've done too much. At some point, we have to have a refuge for people to come into. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't condone sin. I want to call sin, sin. If you are born a woman, you ought to look and act like a woman. If you're born a man, you ought to look and act like a man. Well, I wish I had more people that would have agreed with me than that. Listen, this is my third time preaching here. You ought to know how I preach now. Unless you preach with me, that 15 minutes ain't going to just happen. And this is what we're facing in our world. We're facing a world that wants to tell us that the church is corrupt and the world has got it all figured out. We're facing a world that wants us to believe that good is actually evil and evil is actually good. We're facing a world that's telling your children that you can do whatever you want to, be however you want to, call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. But I come against that spirit tonight. The devil is a liar. Young men, you better act like young men. Young ladies, you better act like young ladies. The devil is a liar. But we see this man who is so vexed with devils that he has an identity crisis. He doesn't know who he is. So when Jesus poses the question to him, he says, I'm legion because we are so many. And it's a scary place to be because you see something that's very interesting. I never noticed this until I began to study. This man, when he was, when before he sees Jesus, they said this. He was out there playing in the tombs and, and playing in the mountains and howling and crying and cutting himself. You realize that tombs is where you go and lay the dead. You realize that th- those were places where dead men were. That he was going up into the mountains, getting away from the people who could potentially help him and playing among the dead men but when Jesus stepped on the scene when Jesus stepped on the scene can I tell you that not even thousands of devils could keep that man from getting to the feet of Jesus some of you you already figured out where I'm going if thousands of devils couldn't stop a man from getting to Jesus what in the world stopping you tonight I got a word for somebody. Thousands of devils couldn't stop him from worshiping. Thousands of devils couldn't stop him from getting to him. Why are you sitting on your pew like he hadn't done anything for you? You've been delivered and set free. God forbid you sit on him. You can be seated for just a moment. I'm getting to a close, I promise. And this is what's very interesting to me because, like I told you earlier, I've gone around the block a couple times. I've been to several churches. And one thing that I've noticed is that we are losing our fervency and demonstrative worship. We're getting so quiet in Pentecost. We're getting, we're getting too pretty in Pentecost. We're, we're getting too dignified in Sedity in Pentecost. But let me tell you something tonight. Don't let the custom suit fool you. I still know how to praise him. You want to know why? Because I remember where I was. I remember where I was when he found me and picked me up.
part of the miry clay. Set my feet on a rock to stay. I still got a praise in my heart. And I have become convinced tonight, church. I have become utterly convinced. Let me tell you something. I know I sweat a lot. Sister Tiffany Cash pointed it out today. I'm over here trying to pray for somebody. She said, is something wrong with your sugar? (laughs) And here's the funny thing. I thought that at one time. I thought something was wrong with me. So I went to the doctor because I was sweating so much. I said, listen, I said, I'm a preacher. Can you please tell me what's going on? He said, well, your blood looks good. So thank God all you can stop worrying, okay? He said, your blood looks good. He said, I don't know why you'd be sweating when you're preaching. I said, well, I ain't just a regular preacher, bro. I said, I'm Pentecostal. I don't know if you know anything about that. He said, I oh." He said, I've been down to the Pentecost church a couple times. He said, no, you're not a regular preacher. He said, and you're just going to sweat when you preach. That's how it's going to be. So I just sweat when I preach. So you just, I, but one, one thing I got to uh, explain to you today, I, there's such a fervency inside of me. There's such a fervency inside of me to see the glory of God. There's such a fervency inside of me to see God move. There's such a fervency inside of me to see the Holy Ghost fall into this room. There's such a fervency inside of me to see people's lives change. There's a fervency inside of me. I, I got to see everything God's got for me. I, I can't be content sitting on the sideline. I can't be content with that church. I need God to move. I'm going to tell you, church, we better not get complacent. We better not think that sitting in air-conditioned buildings is the end all of the church. This is a moving thing. This is a church that got to keep going. Jesus. And so I pose you with the question today, what's stopping you? I understand that life has full of trials. It's it's never going to get easier. That's what that's what the Bible tells us in first in first Peter chapter five. There are things that we're going to go through that the worldly people go through. I'll be honest with you. I wish I could tell you your bank account's always going to sit pretty. I wish I could tell you you never got to worry about rebellious children. I wish I could tell you that that it's always going to be honey and milk. I wish I could tell you it's always going to be throwdown services swinging from the chandeliers, but that just ain't the case today. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes you're going to have trials and you're going to have tribulation. Sometimes you're going to have hard ships. Sometimes you're going to be questioning the, the will of God for your life. Maybe I'm the only one. But I'm going to tell you, it was difficult. It was very difficult when I lost my my father. It was very difficult when I lost my grandmother. And they both weren't in the church. And I didn't get an opportunity to teach them this truth of God's word. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go in like I'm coming out. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to praise him. Why? Because my circumstance does not determine my It doesn't determine how I shout. It don't determine how I dance. Why? Because if devils couldn't stop him, why the world could stop the child of God? (laughs) 
What's stopping you tonight? What's keeping you bound up in that pew? What's keeping you stiff necked? What's keeping you from worshiping God? What's keeping you from moving? I promise you, it's not that bad. You ought to get up and worship. You ought to get up and praise him. You ought to lift your voice to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, you have suffered a little while, but I'm bringing you out of this. Well, glory. You know something? They made that thing with stones, and I'm glad they did. Because you can be seen for a minute. I'm going to explain something to you. We love that verse that, you know, the Bible says, if they don't worship me, stones will cry out. But let me tell you something. You got to dig deeper than that. You got to go back to the book of Joshua and go to the end of it. Joshua is getting to the point where he knows God's fed up with Israel. And this is what happens. He said, he said listen, God's done with y'all. He said, God, God's, God's, God's already told me he's, he's done with y'all. We, y'all have chosen to worship idol gods too long and too many times. And, and he's gotten to the point where he's so fed up where he, he's, just, he's done with Israel. He said, but this is what I'm going to tell you. As for me and my house, he said, now, you can do what you want to do, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, th- and this is what Joshua said, or the people responded to Joshua, and they said this. They said, Joshua, no, we want to serve God. And Joshua said, no, you don't. He said, I've seen it too many times. We, we, he brought us out of, out of Egypt, and you complained and fault found some things. He brought, us out, he brought us through the Red Sea, and you, you still, you, put, you had your tambourine for a little while, but then all of a sudden you got to complaining again. He said, then he brought us to, to Mara, and you was complaining about, about the water. And then next thing I know, you had the audacity to start building a golden calf and started worshiping it in the face of God while we were waiting his commandment he said and now this is the final straw God is fed up he's done but as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord but this is what they said they said no Joshua we, we want to serve the Lord as well so Joshua what does he do he, he gets a rock this is what the Bible says he gets a rock and he writes it in the, in the rock he said this rock will be a testament of what you just said He said, if it ever comes a day that you don't serve the one true God, he said, this rock will be a covenant between you and God, and it'll begin to testify of what you said you would do. So this is what happens. Jesus is riding in, and they're worshiping, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And they said, y'all need to stop that. This man isn't God. And what does Jesus say? If they don't worship me, these stones will cry out. You want to know what he was saying? There was a covenant you made a long time ago when I brought you out. How dare you not worship me now? I pray to God that life's not got you so good that you are stuck and you can't worship. But I pray to God that if you're having a hard time worship, maybe you need a trial and a tribulation. Why? So you can learn how to dance while it's raining. So you can learn how to worship when you don't feel like worshiping. I don't always feel like dancing, but I'll pull a dance out anytime. Why? Because he's been too good to me, church. Whoa. And here's the truth. You can be seated for another moment. I'm getting close to my 15 minutes. I remember, and many of you remember, 
how I was when I came here. I've been living for God for about 16 years now, thank you, Lord. And I'll never forget the day I walked into a Pentecostal church. The day I walked into a Pentecostal church, I thought those people were some of the craziest group I'd ever seen in my life. It was a Sunday night, and it was a Sunday night. It wasn't just a regular Sunday night. This one, we lived over in Nettleton. So I was down in Nettleton, UPC. And I'll never forget, they got to sing, and I've been delivered. Now, that song is awful. But they didn't care about it being awful. They said, you know what? We have been delivered. We have been set free. That old Carmen song, y'all know it. And all of a sudden, there was a move of God that began to settle into that house. And people got to running the aisles and dancing. And people got to worshiping. And I just thought to myself, I'm just a 12-year-old boy sitting in the balcony of a church. Didn't know nothing about nothing. Sitting up there with a pair of shorts on and a polo shirt. And I said, you know what? I don't know what it is about these people. But something about these people, I can't, I can't get away from it. I, I think I got to experience what they have. I went down to that altar at that little Pentecostal church, and they, they, you know how we do it. You know, hands was coming from every direction. They said, we don't know if you got the Holy Ghost, but we going to know in a minute. And I'll never forget, they got to praying until I got the Holy Ghost, and then Brother Larry Hill was there. I'll never forget. And I had, they decided to baptize me. Now, listen, I know I was 12 years old, but baptizing me wasn't a small feat even then. And Brother Larry Hill said, if somebody don't go up there and catch him, he's going to fall off that thing. The fiddles probably remember that because I got to worshiping in the tub. I was sitting up in there with a robe on, and I'm just sitting there and there, and I felt as soon as I come up out of the water, it was like I could feel the, the chains that had me bound break off of my arm. I know you're saying, well, Brother White, you just you was just 12 years old. Yeah, but there was things coming after me. There was drugs and alcohol coming after me. There was things of this world that wanted to get my attention. But when I came up out of the water, I came out dancing because he's been the weight of sin come off of me. I felt the weight of the world come off of me. And so you think for a moment that I'm going to lose my praise simply because I'm going through a trial? Absolutely not. I'm going in like I'm coming out. If thousands of devils couldn't stop him, what in the world could stop a Holy Ghost filled believer? What's stopping you right now from worshiping? What's stopping you right now from running the aisles? What's stopping you right now from getting the victory that you need? Oh, come on, church. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to move on somebody. You need to obey the Holy Ghost right now without fear or favor. You need to move in the Holy Ghost right now. You realize tonight that when you begin to worship God in spite, in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what you're fighting through, in spite of what happened before you pulled up to the church, in spite of the argument you may have had while you was home in between services, in spite of the fact that your children aren't here yet, I just believe that one of these days you're going to look up and they are there. Maybe I'm the only one with some faith tonight, but I'm just telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I, I fervently believe that when, when, when you get to worshiping, you just watch what God will start doing. You want to know what God loves more than anything? He loves people that know how to praise him. 
The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. He don't just onlook. He comes and dwells in praise. When the people of God begin to praise God, I'm telling you, I've seen crazy things happen during a praise break. I remember at the church I was just at in Arkansas. I'm sorry to tell you a story, but I'm just going to tell you this real quick. At the church I was just at in Arkansas, we had a, a, a lady. I don't even know what that sister's name was. Me and her never really talked the whole time I was there. But she had family that was lost. And I had preached about your family being lost and God bringing them home. Well, during that same service, that sister, she just became so undignified. I mean, you, you would have thought this woman had a million-dollar check, and she just cashed it. And she was down here at the front, and she was just going crazy. And, and when she was going crazy, all of a sudden, this rugged, lumberjack-looking man named Jake. I mean, this fellow was bigger than I am, and I'm big. He was huge, rugged-looking rugged man, mean-looking dude. The whole service, he sat on the back pew looking at me like this. And I thought, my God, he's not going to get nothing out of this. But his, that lady, what I didn't know is, that was his aunt. And she was praying for her family to get saved. And she didn't know Jake was on the back pew. So she down there at the front, she's going crazy, hucking and bucking, throwing her hair, shouting and dancing. And all of a sudden, she saw Jake come around the corner and walk down to the front. She turned around and took a second look because she was shocked. She said, when did he get here? And we were like, he's been here the whole time, sister. Well, that just made that woman go crazy. She said, I've been praying that God would bring him into the house of God. Some of you are struggling and fighting through things that have already been figured out. You just need to praise God in advance. I want to God more than just a few. I want the whole house would begin. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling through, God's here in this room to deliver you. Oh, come on, church. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet, Zion. Blow the trumpet, Cedar Grove. Blow the trumpet of Zion. My God, have mercy tonight. If you need, if you got a loved one that needs the Holy Ghost, you ought to be in the aisle shouting right now because God's bringing them. If you got a blessing you need, you ought to be in the aisles right now. Why? Because God's already working it out. Oh, come on, church. I, I feel a praise getting ready to erupt in this house. I feel a shout that's getting ready to erupt in this house. I feel glory moving into the house. church I know that just more than just a few of us got loved ones that need the Holy Ghost I'm believing right now in Jesus name oh yeah 
sufficient. I'm believing that God's going to bring Clay back home. I'm believing in Jesus' name. No L's on the way. I'm believing it. Oh, come on, church. Don't get quiet when you get down here. Let me tell you something. There is power when you begin to lift your voice. There is power when you begin to shout unto God. There's power when you begin to clap your hands. 